Hi. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to Not Film School. I'm Kyle. That was me playing guitar. I did it. I learned it just now. I learned that song just now. Anyway, um, this is a hell of an episode. Uh, my my guest today is my friend Ryan McGuire. Um, he's I've been I've been friends with him since first grade, and and <laughs> my goodness, is he smart? Uh, he's worked at like a ton of colleges. We talk a lot about it in the the beginning of the episode, so I don't need to introduce him too much, but. It's more of a conversation about the science behind the film than it is about the film, which I think that you're really going to enjoy. The shit that Ryan talks about is just so far out. You're going to love it. The movie itself uh, is... I, I, I'm not going to tell you that it's an average Christopher Nolan romp. Um, it's got the Christopher Nolan format, but I really do think that this is better than uh, his other movies. I do think that this is a masterpiece among his work. So I would strongly suggest it, and I would warn you that we do ruin the end of the movie toward the end of the episode so be cautious um for the musical recommendation uh i actually got an instagram follow recently by a, a band called sweetie and uh, you know i figured i'd just check out some of their music and i actually really dig it so they're great listen to them uh sweetie s-w-e-e-t-i-e -E. now do not confuse them for so on spotify that's another artist spelled s-a-w-e-e-t-i-e -E -E. it's there's no way it's just sweetie not so weedy uh yeah so listen to them okay don't fall into any black holes by the way ryan made this intro song yeah, there you go. All right. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the weekend. All right. But I don't know how to introduce you. How do we do this? Uh, however you want. You do math. You've done... You're a sci you science. You do... How about... No, you do it. You introduce... Because, okay. All right. Me and Ryan. <laughs> me and Ryan have known each other since second grade of elementary school. It's been a long time. So introducing him feels weird. So, Ryan, introduce yourself. Fuck you. Uh, who'd you have for first grade? Baker Weiss, I think. Yeah, okay. I thought we met in first grade. So, first oh, grade. okay, my bad. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. I don't know. I do, do physics and math, particularly uh, Lorentz geometry, which is the um, mathematics behind like general relativity and black holes. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, that's what my PhD is going to be in Lorentz geometry. Yeah, and you're very close to your PhD, right? Uh, two and a half more years, three years, somewhere in that. Uh, two and a half. Yeah, somewhere in that ballpark. So you're you're uh, you're like Iron Man. Are, are you like Elon Musk? You do science. Uh, he has <laughs> his, he named his kid something weird, but yeah, he's he's the from what I've seen, he seems all right. It was a TED was talk. A joke. I watched you don't him you don't have to worry about Elon Musk. I know you're better than well. I don't know. It's relative. It's relative. Why yeah. does he do? Does he do bad stuff? <laughs> oh my god! It's is this gonna be <laughs> relativity puns all day? Yeah, I don't know. He's just got, he's a huge businessman now. Yeah. And businessmen eventually venture into the territory of, you know, human rights violations here and there. You know, so <laughs> uh, he's probably got skeletons in the closet. But anyway, we're not, we're not here about Elon Musk. We're here about you. Oh, you hi. beautiful mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, he's he's worked with Boston College. He's worked UMass Lowell. He's worked. He's currently studying at Dartmouth. It was it was Boston University. Boston University. Did I say Boston College? Yeah, that's the Catholic one. Oh, did you get all? <laughs> yeah, okay. They probably they 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 probably have a physics department. Actually, I, I don't I don't know about the college. They do basketball. It's about all I know. I'm just trying to tell everybody how smart you are, man. I like, really can, no. I I make my stuff. I make stuff up. But that's science, right? <laughs> it, it it yeah it is you know I don't know the movie so I guess introduce the movie I guess you're supposed to uh, do they know what we're talking about uh well they they clicked on the name of the oh, episode so I assume okay. so but for their benefit we'll just say we are talking about Interstellar starring uh, Matthew McConaughey and him and his emotional range he cries he did a few times so what uh yeah what were you and gonna that, say. I uh, I was gonna say I laughed probably five or six times at it, but uh, for reasons okay. you're not supposed to laugh at. But other than that, yeah, it was actually really good. Um, I did some back. I, I liked it, the visuals so much that I did some background reading on it after I watched it, and uh, actually hired a, an actual physicist to do ray tracing models of uh, to actually do like the mathematics of what a black hole would look like and and uh, make a realistic photo, which is really cool. Uh, it took a hundred hours to render some of those images for the movie yeah i thought you might have been talking about like something that you worked on or something. no 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 it took a uh, some of those images for that for the black hole in the movie it took a hundred over 100 hours to render oh shit which is yeah and they're were, they were using better computers than mine <laughs> yeah rendering is such a cool thing because like when you talk about pc gaming like technically your computer is rendering the game at a certain speed but they're like preconceived files and stuff that it's all accessing and, and doing all that shit but when you talk about like cgi renders for for films it takes like a ton of computers and a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. No, one of the um, one of the big like sources of of papers, science papers, and in, in differential geometry for a while um, was Pixar, Pixar Animation Studios. They use the techniques of differential geometry. They have mathematicians and 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 physicists in general studying the the subject to better model uh, surfaces moving. Um, and one of the examples of that, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I really want to, uh, Incredibles 2, I think there's a scene where you can zoom in so far that if you look at like the person's shirt, you can see like lint and like the actual threading and like, it's, in- it's incredible. And so, um, this is, I mean, it's the mathematics, it's called the calculus of moving surfaces, also just called differential geometry, uh, differential topology and, um, how to, how the equations of these things moving is, is quite a happening topic. So so yeah, Pixar does does math. Cool. And I actually found out this movie in particular uh, produced. Uh, there were three scientific papers that actually came out of it. No shit. Well, yeah. So the the uh, Thorpe, I think his name is Thorpe. He's a, he's a uh, theoretical physicist, um, but he was working with a lot of you know, computer scientists and and just engineers in general to to make these things because you have to actually put the the equations into code and you know run it. Are and, you talking uh, about for the film? Yeah, for the film. Yeah, the the guy's name is Kip Thorne. Kip Thorne, that was what it was. Yeah, um, and three scientific papers resulted from this. One one of them was called uh, "Visualizing Wormholes," um, which so you can probably guess what scene that was about. <laughs> the wormhole scene, yeah. <laughs> that was I. I really like that scene, just visually. Visually, I like the movie was very visually appealing. Yeah, actually, I have this big old 4K TV screen, and I had the option to like rent it, buy it, or, or do whatever. And normally I'd be like, standard definition, fuck it. But like I figured this would be a big visual like production, so I actually went and bought the 4K version. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't regret it. Yeah, it's, fan- it's very beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
I liked so I I did read some things after I watched the movie uh, about it, and uh, one of the things I liked is that I had the same complaint as I forget who, but they said some guy made a complaint about this, some astrobiologist. The clouds that are frozen, shouldn't they fall? <laughs> but the gravity's like lighter on that planet, bro. Like it's like point seven five of normal gravity or whatever. They said that on both planets on the on the uh, on the water planet it was one point three. And on the uh, uh, ice planet, it was 0.8. So I actually did keep track of that. Hmm. To put it in perspective, um, for nearby planets uh, and the moon, the moon's one-sixth, roughly, and um, Mars is one-third, roughly. Uh, Saturn, you'd think Saturn being a massive... Uh, so for the people, I didn't mention this. I worked uh, with the NASA Cassini um, mission for a few years with the radio science data, so I, I studied Saturn for quite a bit. Uh, Saturn is roughly the same. It's roughly the same gravity as Earth. And you'd think, wait, it's like hundred something times bigger, but it's a gas, so it's not that dense. So the gravity mm. on Saturn is roughly the same as the gravity on Earth. So just some numbers. So 0.8, 1.3 for those two planets in the movie. Uh, Mars is 0.3, which, you know, you, you, your, your bones would go mushy, and the moon is, is a, a sixth. So that's why you could jump really high. Your bones would go mush? Like it's a... I thought it was a lower pressure. No, no, no. You're, you're just... You're used to weighing, you know, a hundred something, 200 something pounds on earth. Okay, and, then okay. all of a, so, and then all of a sudden you weigh, you know, what, 60, 50. Okay. So what you're saying is that it's totally true that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he falls out into the world and then his helmet cracks and he starts kind of like expanding and his eyeballs are like falling out of his head because he's just, nothing's holding him together. Okay. Okay. Don't get mad at me because I go... <laughs> They're at great lengths to let you know that I am not a credible movie person. So what you just heard was very incorrect. What happens is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and his girlfriend get like thrown out into Mars and then they were just not wearing suits. They were just thrown out into Mars and then they start suffocating. And for some reason, because they're suffocating, their eyeballs are starting to pop out of their head or some shit. But I always thought when I was a kid watching that, that they were getting like crushed from all the pressure of the planet and stuff. So I was real confused then and and now, yeah, it's been a while since I've watched Total Recall. Honestly, that scene gave me nightmares and I tried to avoid it. Um so here here we are on my movie podcast <laughs> making improper references. All right, back to the show. No, I, that, no I don't remember that. But no, if you it's if, Total Recall. Oh, no. Uh, no, just the actual force of gravity. Your bones are, your, your muscles and bones are used to supporting a certain, you know, weight. And if they don't for a while, uh, they get really soft and mushy. This, this happens in reality with the, with the ISS, the International Space Station. Um, uh, they have to do these weird exercise routines where they, they basically mimic weight. Uh, they attach themselves to a giant pulley system that pulls them to the floor and then they, uh, that pulley system is like above a uh, a treadmill, so that they're running as if you know they have weight, mm-hmm. and and they do that so that you know they, they their muscles don't completely just deteriorate and their bones don't completely deteriorate either. No shit. So yeah. So technically, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie is true. Kyle is a stupid idiot, but it would happen real, real slow. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. like it would take like a year or something. More, yeah, it would take more than a year. It would take a while. The, the, there was another movie. I forget what it was. Um, the whole idea that if you you know get sucked into a, a vacuum, you'll explode. 
And that one's not true. I think I told you about this earlier. This actually happened in the heyday of uh, early space exploration. Um, it was on Earth. They were testing a, uh, this was at NASA. They were testing um, one of the spacesuits, see if it actually is airtight. Uh, and had, like a few minutes into the test, uh, it leaked. And the human that was inside the suit was in a perfect vacuum. And his eyeballs didn't get sucked out. He didn't explode. His guts went everywhere. He passed out after, I think it was 10 to 15 seconds. Uh, just not because, you know, he couldn't hold his breath. Uh, the, the air gets sucked out of your lungs. Hmm. It's, it's being forced out. Uh, as you're in a vacuum. But, you know, they opened up the chamber, pulled him out. He lived. Cool. So you do, not, you do not explode. Yeah. Still a scary situation, but you don't necessarily, like, your atoms don't just, like, separate from each other for no <laughs> fucking reason. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We did have this conversation. I said... Your skin is pretty airtight. I think you said ew. <laughs> I did. I did say ew. Because ew. <laughs> the amazing thing is uh, that includes your butt. I was just about to say, does that mean my, my, my Kegels are like on point? Like, Well, it is watertight. You go for a swim. You don't have, you know. Water wow. shoot up your ass, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's horrifying and I love it. Just don't do like <laughs> kinky stuff beforehand. Yeah. Before you go to space travel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well golly so murphy's law how do you feel murphy's law is whatever can go wrong will go wrong right or something yeah like that. they changed it right they said whatever happens can happen i read a good description or definition that said things will go wrong in any situation if given the chance and i thought that that was more appropriate sounding yeah yeah there's, there's probably a few i mean so i'll stay on the topic of space uh there was a, a rover that was going to mars right and uh, everyone's like, oh, what can go wrong? What can go wrong? They did all the calculations. Everything looked uh, perfect, and they'd done this before. And then the rover is approaching Mars, and it's going way too fast, and then it just slams right into the surface of the planet, going you know, incredibly fast and blows up. And uh, so what went wrong? <laughs> well, it was a joint effort between Europeans and Americans, and they didn't use the same system. <laughs> that blows. <laughs> yep, yep. So that's one of the things when, when you teach physics one or, or chemistry one, usually the first thing you talk about is units and, and significant figures and stuff like that. And that's one of the examples that gets cited first. Like, hey, write down your units. NASA blew up a, a rover by accident. That's so stupid. So this is the classic uh, metric versus imperial argument. Yeah, I don't think it was. I don't think it was. Uh, I don't think it was metric and imperial. I think it was just two different types of, of metric. Like. Because uh, everyone in science uses metric. But I think some was like in centimeters, another person was in meters or, or millimeters or whatever. So it was like off by 10 or something. That's lame. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't as, because I was thinking like classically, like stupid fucking Americans can't just get over the imperial system. And that's why we crashed uh, a no, rover into like, a planet. No, uh, it was, well, it, it's it's mostly a difference between, uh, I guess, fields. So for, for things like planetary science, um, everything's in kilometers. So uh, the speed of light, you, you measure in kilometers per second. Uh, distances, you measure in kilometers. Um, some people use AU, which is one AU is the mean distance from Earth to the sun, but I've never actually seen it used that often. Um, but so, yeah, some people use kilometers, and other people use meters and uh, centimeters and you now have makes... factors of 10 and factors of 100. So Yeah, I, I think it's really funny to think about measuring an imperial like on an intergalactic sta- scale because imperial is entirely based off of like measurements of the king, like his foot size and shit like that. So, it, so it, imagine it, like it, it takes a... 
Okay. I, I, I always imagine it's like it takes it, it this was, many yeah. king's feet yeah. to get up to, <laughs> That's what to it was. the sun. <laughs> uh, and then in the, I think the 1900s, um, to make metric and imperial kind of play along, they redefined what the inch was so that an inch is precisely 2.54 centimeters. Hmm. That's so, annoying. Well, so an inch was supposed to be roughly the the, the length of uh, the middle knuckle on your on your uh, pointer finger, index finger. Yeah. Um, and it roughly is, you know, so it's a good thing to measure with. Um, hmm. And I use my pinky sometimes. Okay. <laughs> and that thing is roughly 2.54 centimeters, so call it a day. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. <laughs> Word. So, uh... I will, there is one thing to defend the imperial system, is that there's one nice coincidence. The speed of light, if you use stupid systems, is about an inch per nanosecond. Wow. Weird. Roughly, I mean, it's it's about, but you know, it's closer than if you don't if you do metric <laughs> or any or any other system, uh, it doesn't. It's not a nice number. Like it's what two hundred ninety eight thousand nine hundred something kilometers per second. But who counts in nanoseconds? Is your first question. Fuck. Since we're on topic of distances, the first thing about the movie that I was like, meh. Uh, how long it took to get to Saturn? They said two years. So Cassini, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I didn't do any reading into this. I don't know if you could, you know, really just go flying, screaming out there, get there that fast. But Cassini took seven years. Cassini is like a moon or something. No, no. Cassini is the robot uh, we sent out to the NASA sent out to. I shouldn't say we. At the time, I was three. I only worked on it when it was. I worked on it when it was actually at its end. Um, while I was at Wellesley, uh, it actually crashed into the into the planet. So that was the end of the mission. Um, yeah. So I, I I did not see the start. <laughs> the start was yeah. night. We we forgot a whole college. I forgot Wellesley. You worked with them too. Holy shit! Yeah yeah yeah. Uh, the start it, it launched in '97, uh, and it got there in 2004. Jeez, yeah. So it's a it's a billion miles. It's actually a really pretty well. Depends on what time of year, because you know we're rotating around the sun, and so is Saturn. But roughly, it's about a billion miles. It seems like in a mission where they're really trying to focus on conserving resources above all else because like they said like they had to have a whole discussion about like time as a resource and that wasn't had before they left the planet so and i I don't think that old guy was talking about time as a resource either as we find out later but yeah yeah like i don't i don't imagine if if there's a way to like haul ass to get there sooner i don't think that that was a priority so i think that we could call it a loophole yeah well i think I don't think Cassini was trying to haul ass and get there as fast as possible because it did several flybys. And so the um, at the end of the movie, uh, before he jumps into the black hole, and that part I had some thoughts about. But uh, they they do yeah. a, they, they do a <laughs> slingshot, right? They do a slingshot around the the black hole to get to the 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 third planet, and that's actually what Cassini did. It did it. Uh, it did it a few times. It made a pass around Venus, which is going the wrong way. Saturn's out. Venus is in. It made gotcha. two pa- I think it made two passes around Venus to do like a slingshot move. And then it made a pass by Jupiter again to slingshot with gravity. And then it got to Saturn. So all of that, that slingshotting stuff was so that it didn't have to use much fuel. Um, and I guess if you, if you skipped those steps, you could get there a lot faster. Uh, but you'd have to use a lot more fuel. Yeah, resources were all their power. Yeah, so I'm just saying, if, if resources was like the biggest thing, which seemed to be what they were most worried about in the entire movie, then. Yeah, I think that that time, two years, I don't know. That sounds a little ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah. Do you do you believe in the, the Apollo space mission? Do you think that happened? <laughs> do you have a telescope that's like 12 inches or bigger? 
I've got 12 inches. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Um, <laughs> I should have said 16 then. Um, if you have a big enough telescope, um, you can, in fact, see the mirrors placed on the moon. Is that your classic argument against people who say that we never went to the moon? <laughs> well, I mean, the, cla- the bad, better argument would probably just be the footage. Of the th- well, I guess you could, you could <laughs> fake footage. That's fine. But um, no, there's stuff there. You can, you can, if you have a telescope, you can see what they left there. Um, and they didn't cool. leave it there by like they they dropped a mirror. No, they they put it there for a reason. Um, the moon you think is so close, but light doesn't get from uh, Earth to the moon instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sorry, I said this a moment ago. Um, speed of light's roughly two hundred ninety-eight thousand. Let's just call it three hundred thousand kilometers a second. The moon is about four hundred thousand kilometers away, so it takes about a second and some change to for light to get from the Earth to the moon. It's not instant, mm-hmm. so you can do. Uh, what's it, what's it called? Astro telemetry or whatever the I, that's I'm fucking up the term, but uh, basically trying to calculate where's the moon gonna be. Shoot a laser, see if you actually hit the mirror. Did you guess right? Mm-hmm. You'll see the laser again if you did, and so stuff like that happens. Okay, I thought you were gonna say like it's used to measure like the speed of light or some shit like yeah, that. Well, it, it it is as well. Uh, although more accurate, the most accurate measurement was done I think in 2012. Just some lab took a laser and and. I don't know. I forget how they did it, to be quite honest, but they tried to measure the speed of light. The first... <laughs> the the history of the speed of light is really interesting. The first recorded measurement of the speed of light was done by Galileo, so 1600s. And <laughs> he stood on the top of a mountain in Italy, and he had his um, assistants stand on the top of another mountain that was like 10 miles away or something, and they had these bright like uh, lantern... like, But it was, it was bright enough that I guess you could see, and it was at night or something. And uh, they had some system that he would know when to open it at a certain time or whatever, and then the other guy would open his, and then he would count how many seconds it took. And so he concluded, if I remember the number correctly, that the speed of light was about 10,000 kilometers a second. So he's off by a factor of like 30. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a very good scientific experiment, so... Well, I mean, it's all he had. Uh, I know, yeah, I get and that. He, I respect he, it. He had no chance in hell. Uh, so I said the speed of light is... Roughly three hundred thousand kilometers a second, but what that what does that mean? Uh, around the Earth, seven and a half times a second. Gross. Yeah, yeah there's no way he was going to measure that. Yeah, this is, <laughs> yeah. So, but interestingly enough, uh, but forty years later, we did get a measurement that was very accurate, like to one to about one percent. Mm-hmm. And the technique. I mean, he's not. This was Newton. This was Newton's idea. And it's in his book Optics. And Optics is spelled with a K because they spelled weird back then. But um, he, you look at Jupiter. Uh, Jupiter has a moon coming around. And you use basic Newtonian mechanics, uh, classical you know, theory of gravity, not the modern stuff that the movie was about, um, to predict where that moon is going to be at what time. And if you measure where the moon is at different times of the year, so the Earth's moving around the sun, uh, you're now a different distance away from Jupiter because you moved. The moon is about 19 minutes late. So you expect the moon is going to come around Jupiter at a certain time, and it took 19 minutes uh, longer than you predicted. And the reason why is you're now farther away. So it took light 19 more minutes to get to you. Mm-hmm. And so Jupiter is past Saturn. It's way out there. Um, but based on that, you, you can do a rough estimate as to where you were uh, in the solar system where Jupiter was, uh, where you moved to. And so you now have a distance, you have a time, divide the two, you get speed of light. And that works to very good accuracy. 
Fuck. And so that was the first that was the first good measurement of the speed of light. I think it was uh, early. So I think his optics book is like seventeen oh two, seventeen oh three, something early seventeen hundreds. Uh, and that was when that was uh, the first good guess was was made. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So I, yeah, uh, Saturn. Uh, Saturn's what? Uh, how how long does light to get take to get there? Uh, it's eighty minutes roughly. To, to Saturn. Okay. Yeah. There was supposed to be some talks about speed of light travel in this movie, but. The physicist said no. Yeah, the physicist yeah. who they were they were associating with, uh, he was like, no, no, nope, no. <laughs> that's that's good. That's good that they didn't do that. That's I think that that's one of the biggest like what. There's another. I think there was another movie. The, the funny thing is this movie uses uh, a diagram or like they exemplify uh, interdimensional travel by folding a piece of paper in half and then poking a pen through it, yeah. which I've seen in one other movie called Event Horizon. <laughs> No, okay. Which I covered. Have you seen Event Horizon? I don't like clips on you. That's the the one where they like go to hell, right? By accident. They so when they're poking through dimensions, they like the paper suggests they poke into the dimension, and then a bunch of hell demons like like invade the ship and like take control and stuff, and then they poke out of the other dimension. But sorry, out of the other side of the dimension. So they poke into the fifth dimension, hang out for like however long it takes to get across space, and then get out on the other side but demons like ripped them apart while they were in the fifth dimension yeah okay. and then the ship's haunted after the fact so this they're the whole fifth dimensional beings different argument in that movie but same premise funny enough yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i mean uh the, the picture the, that was actually really good uh what the guy did uh romley right that was a good uh visual for what it is uh for like if if, if life was two-dimensional um what is a wormhole well the two-dimensional person wouldn't see that the paper was actually folded up and that two points on the paper were touching. Mm-hmm. So similarly, you can do the same thing in three dimensions. So um, like I said, studying Lorentz geometry, space-time is usually measured, um, modeled as something called a four-dimensional manifold, Lorentz manifold, which is just fancy mumbo-jumbo to mean there's three spatial dimensions and one time dimension, which you can like, probably guess intuitively. And um, No. Nope. <laughs> no, I'm not guessing any of that intuitively. Nope. <laughs> three three spatial dimensions just means you can go up, down, left, right, back, forward. Maybe I could intuit it, but not in the way that you just said it. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Uh, three spatial dimensions just means there's three dimensions in space, and then one time dimension means uh, we're going forward or backward in time. Word. Okay. So that's that's the intuition, and you could have. I mean, it's, you can't picture it now, but you can. Similarly, you can say, oh, you have a, a point in three-dimensional space. Is it close to this other point in three-dimensional space? Well, maybe not in this three-dimensional cross-section is usually what it's called. But if you, you look if you look at the uh, a higher-dimensional manifold that you're living in, maybe you can connect somehow to, the, to that point by going through a different uh, dimension. I hate to say that. That's such a poorly used word. But uh, mathematically, it makes sense. So the, you can't picture three dimensions because it would be you know, a four or five dimensional object. So let's try the two dimensional picture, which would be, and it's, it's the two dimensional picture is going to be a two dimensional thing living in three dimensions. So a piece of paper in real life, that's a two mm-hmm. D object in three dimensions. Um, well, if you're only allowed to travel on the piece of paper to get from point A to point B, you just have to walk in a straight line. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's you not knowing that this piece of paper really lives in a three dimensional world. Well, if in the three dimensional part, the piece of paper is actually curled up and two, the two points are touching. They just don't know it. 
then in, in the 3D aspect, you don't have to go all the way around the paper, which is now like kind of rolled up to a cylinder. You can just jump, right? Mm-hmm. That jump option isn't allowed for the people that are stuck on the on the 2D piece of paper because there's no such thing as jump. There's left, right, forward, back. Yeah, and the only reason that they were able to manipulate it in the movie is because a wormhole was torn for them. Yeah, so that, I mean, it's not a, it's, so Lorenzo geometry is the math part, and then there's the physics part, uh, which is this this system, this general relativity, but the the thing often studied is this thing called the Einstein field equations. And the existence of a wormhole does not contradict the field equation, so which is to say, yeah, it could it could happen. Whether or not it does is, is another question, but it, if it does happen, this wouldn't say that uh, general relativity is wrong. It would be consistent with it. But you can also do calculations as to like how much energy would you need to make one. And again, if the if general relativity is consistent, which so far it seems to be, you need like a thousand exploding suns. To, to make one of these things. I guess that's what the fifth dimension dudes do. But I, hey, I, I we're guess. getting we're getting real abstract. <laughs> or I guess for you it's it's hyper not abstract. It's hyper real. But yeah, we're we're getting like way into the science topics. Sure, we just could, to bring we it back bring to it the back. movie. Um uh, one part well, I had a I had a thing. I had a thing. I had a thing. You had a thing? Alright. I'm the host of the show. You're you're stealing my dick energy. <laughs> Your dick's bigger than mine right now and I need that to stop. All right. I understand you're on the left side of the screen, but I'm on, and I'm on the right one. But I'm controlling this. I'm con- I'm in control. <laughs> uh, no, the only thing I wanted to say before leaving the science is a lot of people hear this shit and think, oh, that's just you know, in theory, and then they they throw out the quotation marks and they do shitty things. But it's it's the truest model we know for the universe so far, and it's used in real life. So the big part of the movie was time dilation, right? Uh, I finally, I've, I've, I've seen the meme, but I never got the reference as to the, the whole, we're going to lose 51 years with this maneuver. I didn't know it was from this movie. But anyways, um, that's, that's real. It's so real that uh, satellites up in space, the gravitational pull is weaker there than it is on Earth. Uh, and if they didn't correct for time dilation, your GPS would be off. No shit. And it would, and it would get off, and as time goes forward, it would get more and more off. So uh, these relativistic corrections are used even in gps apps so the whole relativity conversation that they're having with like certain planets having like weirdly like quicker moving time or slower moving time that's like a real thing on that planet the planet with the 1.3 gravity it would be like essentially nothing as you get closer and closer to the black hole that that part is true okay but yeah so as you get closer and closer to a stronger gravitational field or force whatever you want to call it yeah, time dilates. Word. And one of the things, they didn't do it, and I was so disappointed because they could have they gone nuts with it. So as you approach a black hole, time, di- time dilation gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And what would happen is something that's called, and this is the technical term, spaghettification. Oh. Uh, you, get, you would get, stre- you wouldn't feel it. It would just like be as if you're falling. But to an observer, you would get stretched out, out and longer and longer and longer. Because your feet, time is going a lot slower than your head. Interesting. <laughs> so the phenomena, and they didn't depict it, and it would have been really cool if they had those ray tracers do it. Uh, but you're you you would get spaghettified, is what it's called. <laughs> so you get long. Yeah, to an observer, to you, I mean, well, even to as you get really close to the black hole, since your feet two meters away from the top tip of your head, uh, yeah, the time dilation is that different, even over two meters, if you're like right next to the black hole. So yeah, you would you would look down and you might think you're tall. <laughs> Fuck that. Um, 
All right, well, to leave that dark topic behind and to bring it back to Earth, there was a big relationship, uh, at least early on in the movie, between the idea that we need to stay here and save where we're currently living and then the the idea that, like, instead of, like, damning ourselves to the Earth, we need to get the fuck off because we've technically outgrown it. So, like, the lady that he's having a conversation with in the principal's office about like his kids and whatever. She's clearly like, she's like, we don't even know if we landed on the moon. And like, we corrected the textbooks to say that we never did. <laughs> and all sorts of crazy shit. Um, but she says, uh, yeah, we need, we need to save where we are and we need to stop being concerned of like getting off the planet. Cause like where we're currently living is, is fucked. Uh, how do you feel about that? Cause I feel like that's a very real question in our current climate where, yeah, if we poured all resources towards completely making this planet sustainable and solving the problems that we have here, I don't know. Like, I feel weird about it, too, because it's things like the ocean. Like, we haven't ventured, like, really deeply into the ocean at all. It's largely unexplored territory, and if we can't something solve something so simple on the planet, then the idea of just, like, I don't know, pouring resources into renewable energies are just, it's just going to immediately solve our problems like do you think that we should be working on both things the way that we are i i mean i'm I'm really for uh preserving this nice place Mm -hmm. uh just just the logistics i mean sure going going to space is nice and um there's there's two views on this about going to space there's the uh i think lawrence krauss is who said it then there's the neil degrasse tyson and they're both kind of right so lawrence krauss as a physicist who said uh i think he's down in arizona there's not a single place in space you can't get all the science data you need by just sending a robot. You don't need to send a human. And that's 100% correct. All right? mm-hmm. We don't need to send a human to Mars. You can send a, 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 a robot to probe it. As we've done, there's now, uh, I think, five different rovers on, the, on Mars. And Neil deGrasse Tyson said, that's true, but the reason why sci- uh, space exploration and, and, and science got so popular in the 60s and 70s is because a human went. He also said the whole reason we, we had the drive to do it anyway was because of the Cold War and the Soviets, and that's all true. Uh, so it's sending a human to Mars. The goal isn't to do anything scientific. Like it's not going to have some massive discovery that couldn't have been done with a robot. Uh, the goal is most likely mostly to get uh, public public interest, mm-hmm. re re uh, reignite that spark. That's for you know going to another planet and for habitation for humans. Um, it depends on what eventually we'll have to if we if we survive eventually we'll uh-huh. definitely have to the sun has a has a life expectancy about four billion years from now uh will humans be around that long i don't uh, no the answer is probably no yeah. I, I mean <laughs> here's to put it in perspective four billion years ago life on earth was single-celled the um so the difference between four billion years and now is the difference between a single-celled organism and humans so what the hell is the difference between now and four billion years from now i don't know i'm not that creative um yeah well if 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 intelligence i mean sure maybe humans evolve and become like superhumans or whatever um we get wings or something uh but if if intelligent life is to survive yeah eventually it'll have to leave here that's just definite but would you would you say that it's futile to even think that we could get far enough to a planet that would have resources that we would need. And then on top of that, too, if we're looking at colonizing Mars, then that means that we're looking at ways to come up with a self-sustaining ecosystem that we can kind of import there, which means that we're going to make a livable planet out of a currently unlivable planet. Meanwhile, our livable planet is becoming less livable. Yeah. It's a little futile, you know? (laughs) Yeah, so 
the getting there part, I mean, the nearest uh, star system is what? Alpha Centauri, I think, which is four four light years away. And you think, four light years away? Holy crap, you'd have to travel up the speed of light to get there in four years. Time dilation works with speed, too. So if you're traveling close to the speed of light, time dilation happens again. So you, if, if you somehow develop some mechanism, you can't go the speed of light, but if you can get damn near close, uh, yeah, you can get pretty far pretty quickly. To an observer at home, it would look like it took you you know, a thousand years, but for you, it would like take 10 years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's one of the cool parts about, uh, that's special relativity, not general relativity, but preserve. Yeah. I mean, we should stop destroying this place. <laughs> there's a, there's a, yeah. there's a quote. Uh, I, I forget how it goes now, unfortunately, but, uh, people keep saying we're killing the planet. We're really not. The planet will be, once humans fuck this place enough that humans can't survive here, the planet's going to be around. I actually saw an interview with, um, what's his name? Not Ryan Gosling. I keep I keep confusing Ryan Gosling for uh, Matthew McConaughey, and I don't know why. <laughs> Gosling's the guy from the Notebook. He's from uh, Blade Runner twenty seventy something or whatever. Okay. But anyway, um, yeah, Matthew Matthew McConaughey was uh, saying this thing during a, an interview where he was like, "Like we're all worried about the planet, but we shouldn't be worried about the planet. Like it'll just brush us off when it's done with us, and then we'll be dead forever. Like we're not going to kill the planet." And I thought that that was kind of stupid to say. I was like, well, that's, that seems like an, an anti-argument to like fixing this place. Because it's like, oh, well, we have no reper- repercussions on our environment. Is it, yeah, is that true? Like the, the earth will literally just shrug us off and then fuck and then redo its thing? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's not only will it, it has. Uh, 100, okay. million, 100 million years ago, uh, a, a, a meteor the size of Manhattan hit earth and killed everything. <laughs> And this includes plant life. Like it, 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 not, it didn't only kill it. It, it changed the entire uh, environment. There was a, there was a, there was a temporary ice age after that. And right, so we're talking about dinosaur comet. Yeah, yeah. But, but there's, there's been, there's been many more than just that. The one big one that everyone uh, knows about. Um, gotcha. I think the current estimate is they, the frequency of them is like once every hundred million years, which means <laughs> we're almost due. By the way. Hey, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but it happens and everything dies and then there's a reset button. Wow. I mean, as long as there's I've... still, you know, a f- single celled organisms or even multi-celled organisms, as long as there's still something and then there's also time. Yeah. Everything, will, everything will come back. That's like weirdly depressing and super duper invigorating all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think we'll have fossils? That's okay. That's something that bothers me though. Like if there were. Because the idea with what you just said is that um, there's potentially some civilizations, several civilizations before this civilization, but we've only ever found... Intelligent? No, probably not. Okay, yeah. Probably not. Yeah, uh, we would have found, like, computers and shit, like, down in the ground. We would have dug something up at some point and been like, holy fuck, this is proof that there was intelligent... Like, not just, like, they built the the pyramids. Wow, that's so technologically advanced (laughs) for their time. Not just like that, but, I mean, like, literally technology, we'd find it fossilized if it if it had already happened you know yeah no i i, I doubt there were sapient creatures walking with the dinosaurs that's what they put in the that weird um bible museum in kentucky right cavemen with dinosaurs no i i, I doubt that uh there's the the classic refuge i guess for this argument the drake equation but i i don't know if i even buy it the drake equation is a, a way to model um the probability of life and intelligent life and all that crap but yeah, probably humans are the only sapient, super, super duper uh, sapient creatures ever. There's probably life on Mars, <laughs> as in the form of like a single cell. 
That would be my bet. Yeah. I think that that's a real cool thought. The the idea that we're like when somebody says like, oh, no, the aliens aren't real. I, I just think like you think that nowhere out in the galaxy, anywhere on any planet and the infinity that is the galaxy or sorry, the universe. You don't think there's like one cell on a planet on a rock? Oh, somewhere? yeah. There's, there's almost certainly a cell somewhere on a rock somewhere. And there's probably I don't know, I'd, I'd wager this. There's multi-celled things. There probably could even be, there's probably something even as complex as a mammal. Not a, not a mammal, but I don't know. Hyperintelligence seems to be one big accident. <laughs> <laughs> so what we've got going on here. I mean, look at the, 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 the nearest uh, neighbor is a chimp, a chimpanzee, which we share about 90, I think it's 98.6 if I remember the number correctly. 98.6, uh, same, you know, genetic makeup. And you're, you're never going to teach a chimp to do calculus. Not yet. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, they they do Bitch. have they do have uh, there is a gorilla, uh, which is again very simple. It's like ninety eight. It's a little less than ninety eight point six, but it's like ninety eight or something. They taught a gorilla to do sign language to talk to humans, uh, mm-hmm. and that is really fucking amazing. But that gorilla won't do calculus. They won't do physics. Uh, so, but have you ever given a dolphin a pen, Ryan? There is a dolphins t- are supposedly like the most smart, right? Like, the, uh, you know, I love those uh, those David Attenborough documentaries, and I was watching a few of them. And uh, they, there is a cool little test to test mammal intelligence, and one is the the mirror test. And um, biologists, zoologists, put like marker or black paint or something on a mammal's ear and see if it realizes it when it looks in the mirror. And so they did this to like a dolphin. They did this to a, I guess it was like waterproof marker or whatever and they did this to an elephant and um they just looked pissed that there was something on them (laughs) (laughs) so they didn't recognize that that is me and someone did something to my ear and they also just they're just like trying to get it off now (laughs) that's so cruel i love it (laughs) but um so yeah they're actually they've been tested there's this it's i don't know i haven't read into it so i shouldn't you know say it's bullshit or not but there is if you go into the wikipedia actually shows the table this metric for measuring intelligence and I remember a few numbers, but humans were a seven, cats were one, uh, a dog was like 1.2, so a little higher, and then uh, chimps and dolphins were like a four. And I have no idea what the scale is supposed to be. It had, and it had like, you know, reptiles, um, or like 0.1, and birds were small too. So somehow someone Stupid tried to. Stupid birds. Someone tried to quantify intelligence uh, and, and make it into a, a table. And. I read into it and I just, I, I always thought, how, how did they get these? Why are humans seven? <laughs> yeah. What's the, is the scale out of 10? Like <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. I always hate, like, I, I love the, uh, to, to oversimplify whatever the fuck you might think about this, but, um, I love the phrase like fish don't climb trees. Sure. Like you don't judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. You don't judge a monkey by its ability to swim, et cetera, et cetera. Because, yeah, if you do an, an intelligence test based on the life of a fish, then, you know, we fail miserably. We're not very smart at all, you know? So we're deciding, like, what our relative, like, intelligence is. And it is a little bit absurd to give, like, a point measuring system. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I guess I just lied. I shouldn't say that there's no other um, hyper-intelligent things. There are. Uh, they're all gone now. Um, there were, you know... Um, Homo Neanderthalus, Homo Ostropithecus, um, a few other things that are like proto-humans. But you're talking about like early on in yeah, the yeah. existence of the birth. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So they've been replaced by Homo sapien. Um, 
That's actually really interesting article once upon a time that uh, there, there was evidence Homo neanderthalus and Homo sapien not only biologically can reproduce, but there was evidence that they did. So there were half human, half Neanderthal beings out there. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that would have looked like, but I bet it was hot. <laughs> By the time Homo Neanderthalus evolved, I believe they were mostly hairless, uh, like modern humans. Not entirely, like, you know, the, think an Italian guy. I'm allowed to say that. I'm a quarter Italian. That's, okay, all right. I was going to say it's a little fucked up. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, but they're fleshy, is what you're saying. They're these big, amorphous, yeah, fleshy, but, but the, kind of humanish things. Yeah. the The big difference there's a if you go to the wiki page, there's a there's a reconstruction of what one would look like. There's plenty of I don't bones. Go there. There's, I don't want to know. <laughs> there's plenty of bones that have been found, so you can you can um, get an idea. The head's a little bigger. It kind of goes bit back uh, back a Sexy. bit further. Hey, let, me, let me pull <laughs> it up. No, don't pull it up. It's a video video. Sorry, audio podcast. Don't do it. Sure. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know what this thing looks. That's really my excuse. It's an audio-only podcast, but also I just don't want to know. I don't want to picture this thing fucking for the next like five hours of my life while I fixate on this. Uh, hey, so cryosleep. What do you think about the cryosleep that's uh, featured in this movie? And is it possible? Can we do that? Uh, that because it freaks me the fuck out. That goes beyond. I I don't do much biology. Um, I have no idea. I would guess probably. Um, you, we, that could probably be done. Has there anything been done similar that I know of? Well, they froze. Uh, uh, who? Oh my God, Teddy something. What the fuck was the baseball Walt player? Walt Disney. No, not him. Who is the baseball player? Teddy something for the for the Red Sox. I don't know. <laughs> like you've you've hit on two big like like major science concepts. Not my bag. Also, sports concepts or sports players. Not my bag. <laughs> Well, Not me. Um, after the famous Red Sox guy uh, from World War, like World War Two era, like uh, I think he was the last person to bat four hundred four. Apparently, after they he died, they froze his brain to try to like preserve it for later. For some reason, I, I don't know. Ted Williams, Teddy Williams. That's what I was trying to think of. Yeah, I imagine they just made his shit so cold that it froze. But isn't there? There's got to be some cellular deterioration because even if you freeze meat, it still goes bad eventually, right? So it's not as simple as just freezing something. It's like freezing it like super frozen, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I and then know. what they know. do in this movie is it seems like it's, it's hot because when they're on the planet with Matt Damon and they release Matt Damon from his little like coffin thingy, mm-hmm. uh, steam is rising off of where he is. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, we assume it's some kind of like, I don't, for lack of a better word, embryonic fluid. That he's floating in, but for some reason he's able to like float in this shit for like presumably probably like like fifty let's say fifty years he's just been floating in this fluid or whatever. Like I don't know. It seemed kind of it's whenever I see cryosleep, I'm just like ah eh, well you know probably not. <laughs> it's just how I feel about it. Yeah, I I have no idea. Um, I I the only thing I know about cryo stuff it is it is used for uh, there's cryotherapy. I've heard of that where you you get blasted by like negative hundred degree. Yeah, air. you hyper freeze your stuff to like, help but only relax for a few seconds. Body. Yeah, fucking weird. Rich people are just fucking weird, man. <laughs> like, who can afford to do that shit? Who else? I heard Joe Rogan talk about it one time. That's the only time I've ever heard about that therapy. <laughs> <It's> nuts. <laughs> no, uh, that part I don't know. We should get a biologist on. 
Yeah. If I say something, I'll just be making something up. So I, I don't know. Um, you can talk out of your ass. It's like this is not this is not film school. You can talk <laughs> out of your ass. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. If it it moves the plot along, I suppose as a as a story device, storytelling device. Yeah. They they have to get to Saturn in two years and they don't want to age so i guess sure yeah. freeze them for a bit <laughs> or heat them yeah. up i guess it is yeah the mad damon thing he was he was asleep for years apparently and didn't even set a wake-up time and uh i would i would imagine he would have had to have like had some intravenous thing like still fueling him up yeah i was well okay two tropes with science fiction that always kind of rub me the wrong way first off is of course cryosleep as i've as i've said but also when people walk into a derelict spaceship on an abandoned planet and then they hit the light switch, that always drives me nuts because, like, your battery's not going to last that long, you know? Like, no matter what you do, if you could literally just have a, a battery, like an energy cell sitting on a planet by what? itself. Holy fuck, you could have a battery cell sitting on a shelf of a store and you leave it alone for five years. Don't do anything to it. It'll be dead when you go oh, to it. Okay. That, the... one, that one I can give you an answer to. Because there is uh, a battery from, I think, 1977, 1978 that's still running right now. Hmm. I said it takes 80 minutes to get uh, light from us to Saturn. It takes three hours to get light to this thing. Uh, it's the Voyager probe that's, that's past Pluto. It's way the fuck out there now. Um, yeah. um, that thing is still kicking. It, its battery is, uh, is nuclear in design, but it's just a tiny little cell gonna keep it, tiny, it, a tiny little cell it's, it's a tiny little thing of uh what is it i, th- I think it was a uh, thermonuclear let me let me double check um so is this to say that like the argument for pro nuclear energy right now that's going oh, on that, that is a, that is that one yeah a bunch of hippies in the 60s and 70s were fucking stupid uh nuclear energy is one of the one <laughs> well of the, it's it's the classic case of people that don't know science saying what science should be um, the average human, well, the Amer- average American uses about a train cart of coal in a lifetime. That's a fuck ton of coal just to fuel your, your, your life. Uh, if you were to take that same amount and do nuclear waste, you could fit it into about a Coke can. It would be a heavy Coke can. It would be a very dense Coke can. That Coke can would weigh <laughs> about two or three pounds, but that's not the point. The space it would take up is a Coke can. For one for human, all... one human, one life, one lifetime. How much energy did you need? About a Coke can of uranium. That would measure up pretty quick, though. It doesn't measure up. There are up a as, lot of people. There are a lot there. of people. There would be a lot of Coke cans, but uh, it does not measure up as fast as an entire train full of coal. Yeah, but still, that does seem like a kind of a not ne- not necessarily a better solution. Because what do you do with the nuclear? like leftover after you're done with it yeah it this this was this was the the issue um and essentially bury it and wait yeah it would take millions. is that is is that like a valid course of action for the amount of people that are in the world right now it is okay that the the not just gonna necessarily like be like yeah sure ryan i believe you <laughs> no, but... no no i get you no but it, it is it, it, the amount of waste you generate would be much smaller than the amount of waste you generate with with other means and um it wouldn't just be like you know plastic in the ocean it would be waste that is in a a barrel 100 100 miles under the under the surface not 100 miles that's way too far but like 100 uh like a, like a, a mile under the surface 
the crust is only, I think, 60 miles. That's why I can't say 100 miles. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's... In, is there... Is there at least hope that it would eventually renew itself or break down? Yeah. Like, so, is it, is so it, it it's, questionably it's, more environmentally friendly than coal so, in the long run? Oh, what is, what is the... Uh, now you're testing my nuclear physics. I haven't done... Uh, I took nuclear back in 2015, so it's been a while. Um, mm-hmm. So you have uranium. I think uranium decays into rubidium, and it keeps decaying. It, it keeps breaking up into smaller parts. So uranium is uh, is a very highly radioactive thing which just means uh it it doesn't want to be what it is um mm-hmm. it wants to break down into something smaller so that's like what so alpha decay for example is if you have a, a an atom that's that's way too big uh and to, to make it smaller it, it, it shoots out basically a helium particle without the electrons it shoots out uh two neutrons and two protons and just says all right i'm done with this and now it's smaller and so that's called uh alpha radiation and there's also beta radiation there's gamma radiation but all these forms of radiation just to make the thing, to, to reduce the amount of energy that are in this tiny particle, because it doesn't want to be at this unstable state. It wants to be something small. But so it, it's, it takes a while. It takes a long while. I mean, this is how we measure the age of the Earth. You, you look at, uh, I believe it is rubidium. You look at rubidium, see how, what the concentration is or whatever, and you can use this thing called the half-life formula to determine when this thing was formed, when it was created. And that's how you get the age of the, uh, age of the Earth. I almost said universe. So it takes a while, uh, and I believe the estimate for how long it would take nuclear waste here would be, I think, a million years, uh, which is a very, 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 very long time. That's the entire history of humans. But as a, not you probably couldn't do it as the only source of fuel, but as a source of fuel, definitely. I'm partial to solar and and uh, solar and uh, wind, but. Yeah, because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, sure, it, it does, like, nuclear might be more intelligent, maybe for some purposes, like, say, I don't know, intergalactic travel. Yeah, sure, yeah. you know, that, like, that works, that makes sense, but, um, yeah, I, I feel like, like, we, goddamn the fucking hippies, sure, but there is still, like, a, an element to, like, it's not, it's a non-solution, because, sure, it might be better than coal, like, it would be a good short-term solution to get ourselves off of coal and onto renewable resources but i yeah i like using nuclear oh it would have to be a case-by-case basis you know like you're saying yeah yeah no um it's, just, it's actually interesting because when we talk about the hippies uh when i went to there was a conference um for the cassini mission out in, in colorado did uh, you did you bash some fucking hippies no i got to talk to some professors um who were old enough to be around during the hippie stuff and uh uh, one of them was the target of a protest, <laughs> and he told me oh, about. Shit. He, well, he was um, a physicist that worked in nuclear physics, and uh, he told me some stories about uh, walking, trying to walk through campus, and people just like screaming, like "die." <laughs> yeah. So that was fun, but I, I, I just I pulled up some numbers just out of curiosity. Uh, so the the Voyager probe, which is uh, so launched in seventy seven, so. Uh, so that's 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 forty forty four years ago. It has seventy one percent of its uh, plutonium left. It's using plutonium, not uranium. So it's still got seventy one percent time left before it shuts down. Yeah. So according to this, it'll die in twenty one sixty seven. I will not be here. So like that's nearly like a hundred years, right? No, twenty one. Holy fuck! That's, 200, Holy that's fuck. almost two hundred years. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I was thinking 2060. That's nuts, man. Yeah, yeah. So it's still out there, and it sends back uh, 
it sends back stuff to us every now and again. It again, it takes I think where it's at in uh, the solar system. Uh, no, it's that stone solar system. It takes like three hours to get here, three to four hours. Gotcha. I mean, one of the dumb thing I think it was, it was either Voyager or Voyager two, but one of the dumb things, and this is you know, humans being silly, not not for science. Uh, we put a bunch of stuff on Voyager in case you know an alien gets it. The Voyager was sent out with the with the knowledge that it was never coming back. Mm. So there's like records, Aww. there's like records from the 50s and 60s, like on Voyager. Aww. And Aww. when you think about it, there's, there's the two, the likely outcomes, there's two very likely outcomes. Um, the third outcome is aliens find it and they realize we listen to jazz. Um, there's also like messages <laughs> written in binary because, you know, binary is probably the universal language that anyone can understand. But, Which calls back to the movie. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. But the two likely outcomes with Voyager is it just drifts through space alone forever and the uh, records deteriorate to the point that they just can't be played in a billion years. Mm-hmm. Or humans become super duper cool and we go get it and bring it back and put it in the Not very likely. Get it. Well, I mean... <laughs> Uh, you know, a thousand years from say humans, you know, don't fuck ourselves. And a thousand years from now, we're exploring, you know, Mars with people. The which which rover which rover just died? It was Curiosity, right? Yeah, I don't know. The guy. So, uh, I I didn't know him, but the my my supervisor at Wellesley did. Um, one of the guys that worked with uh one of the rovers cried at an XKCD comic. Uh, the comics goes like this: so the rovers, you know, walking around Saturn. And it gets stuck. That's actually what happened. It gets stuck on a rock and it can't move. And uh, so the rover starts sending out a signal to Earth saying, help, help. And it's like, what? Was, was I not a good enough rover? <laughs> and, this made somebody cry. And apparently that, that broke someone, yeah. That's so sad. But what will I mean, what'll happen? Okay, no, curiosity is still going. Um, what'll happen is a thousand years from now, whenever the hell you know, we have uh, actual colonies on Mars, um, humans will go to that thing. And that'll be a museum. They'll make a shrine to that rover. This is where it died. Whoa. So that, that, that the rover's life isn't done yet. There, there were talks about sending another rover to help it, to like flip it over or something. Uh, mm-hmm. But then that, that idea was shut down because you can just, you know, have that new rover explore a new part of Mars. Yeah. Why waste the time? Fuck yeah. him. Yeah. You know? Why'd you fuck up? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid fucking robot. It's supposed to be perfect. It's not supposed to be any human error. You fucked it up. It's your fucking problem. Exactly. But uh, yeah, so that uh, kind of is funny because it relates to the film when they're doing like the jump. They're using the the leverage from the black hole, or I guess the the momentum caused by swinging by the black hole to get from one planet to the other because they have no fuel resources. They start like releasing parts of the ship into the black hole, and uh, one of those is a robot. And before the robot gets sent off, like the girl's like, "No, don't send the robot." Uh, the robot says. Newton's third law. The only way humans have figured out how to get somewhere is by leaving something behind. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good quip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that whole going into the black hole part, that's that's where I I kind of started chuckling when he used to the fucking I don't I don't even know what I when I went to the Wikipedia page just to read what the fuck I just watched and they called it the Tesseract and I was just like, How's that a Tesseract? Like the it, it looked more like a um let's call it a three dimensional torus. When he was like falling through this like a uh, bunch of pillars and cubes and stuff and just yeah bookcases yeah exactly <laughs> that reminded me of something called a three dimensional torus which is uh, it it would look like that yeah um the thing with the black hole is that 
funny enough, with the scientific accuracy that this film states that it has, I mean, the scriptwriter, Jonathan Nolan, the brother of Christopher Nolan, who wrote the majority of the script, uh, he said he worked on the script for four years and he studied relatively at, uh, relativity at California Institute of Technology. They didn't say whether or not he was like a degree or how, like what amount of time those four years he allotted to working at, or sorry, studying at California Institute of Technology. I don't, yeah, I don't, it's like a really ambiguous phrase that they say um, on the Wikipedia page, but supposedly he studied a bunch of shit to, to keep as accurate as they could. And of course they worked with a physicist, Kip Thorne. But the interesting thing is that the black hole doesn't necessarily present a scientific inconsistency because it's so unimaginable, right? Uh, I mean, so black holes are predicted by classical physics. You don't need general relativity. Of course, I mean, modern stuff uses general relativity, but the idea of a black hole, you can explain with very little physics at all. So if you're standing on Earth uh, and you throw a baseball up, it'll, it'll come back down. And if you throw it really, 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 really hard, it, so you can, you can determine how much energy do you need to make it go 100 meters, 1,000 meters. And then you ask, how much energy do you have to put into this baseball to throw it infinity meters? And it turns out it's, uh-huh. a, it's, it's a finite amount of energy. You don't have to you know, put in infinite energy. You can throw the ball at a certain speed that it'll get up to infinity. Or another way to say that is it won't come back. Right? Uh-huh. So in other words, you can throw this ball so hard that it escapes Earth. And this is called escape, mm-hmm. this is called escape velocity. Now, if you have a larger, denser mass, you have to throw it faster. So the question is, what happens when you have a mass uh, that is so big that the speed you need to throw this baseball for it to leave is the speed of light? Well, if you need to throw it... I was going to say, I don't know the answer. I don't know if you're waiting for the answer. I felt like I was in science (laughs) class again. I was like, fuck this. I don't like this. So, so (laughs) so let's just, so you're, you're standing on this, this body and the body's so big. Just think of it as a a planet or a star or whatever. It's so big that if you want to throw a baseball up and have it not come back, you have to throw it with the speed of light, which means, well, you can't, you can't go past the speed of light, but but not only that, but light can't escape because light goes to the speed of light and you need more than the speed of light to leave. Hold up. So, yeah, so the baseball needs, like, in order, say you're standing on the surface of a black hole. It's just, you know, counterintuitive. But, yeah, you're inside of the black hole. You're saying to throw the ball out. Because a black hole is literally sucking in light, it needs to travel faster than light to get out, which we've already established. You can't even travel faster than light. Sorry, you can't even travel as fast as light, Yeah. let alone faster than light. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's um, fucked up. So, so that, and that's what happens. So that's why, that's why it's a black hole. So it's the 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 speed you need to leave is greater than the speed of light, which means light can't leave. Mm-hmm. So what does it look like? Well, light can't escape, so it's just black. There's no light coming from it, and now it's, that's that's why it's called a black hole. So should it be called a black hole or or a black orb? I don't know. Maybe the term hole is the misleading part. So hold up, hold up. This is actually a good question for you. Um, photons. Photons are light. Photons are light. Photons are like literally a measurable light though, right? Like they're particles, light particles, photons. So this this is going to the quantum mechanics, uh, which I actually did a bit of. Uh, so yeah, so there's two aspects of light depending. And it's, this is the part when I first learned quantum mechanics that really, it just fucks with you. Uh, so light has two aspects to it. Sometimes it's a wave, sometimes it's a particle and you just kind of get to deal with it. 
uh, a photon is the particle when it, when it's behaving like a particle. Mm-hmm. Now this, the, I'll just tell the quick story, the part that fucked with me. There's a quick experiment you can do. You can ask, when is the part uh, is, is this light behaving like a wave? Once it's behaving like a photon. So if you set up, you know, a little uh, piece of paper, black paper, uh, so that the light doesn't get through, and you cut two slits in the in the middle of the paper. So two really thin slits right next to each other. Uh, and then you shine a light into it. You'll see something called a diffraction pattern uh, on, on the wall behind you. Um, so you'll see, you know, it'll, it, the pattern will look like dark light, dark light, dark light, dark light. Now, if you did the same thing, but instead of sending light through it, you sent, uh, I don't know, marbles or, or, or bullets or whatever the hell you want. Uh, it's not going to be a diffraction pattern. It's just going to be, there's going to be two columns of where the bullets hit. They're going to go right through the slit, and they're going to go straight. They're not going to get diffracted and go to the left and right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So, so light, if you send light through a slit, it gets diffracted. It goes left, it goes right, it goes straight, it goes in all these directions. A bullet, if you send it through a slit, it just goes straight. So if you do this with two slits, with light, you'll see a diffraction pattern. It'll get spread out, and it'll be like columns of dark, columns of light on the wall. If you do it with bullets, you'll just have two columns of where the bullets hit. Mm-hmm. Okay, now here's the fuckery. So you put a camera right after the slit to, to see what the light is doing. Which way is it going? Is it going left? Is it going right? Is it going straight? What's happening? And then you redo this experiment. And what you find, instead of this diffraction pattern of light, dark, light, dark, light, dark, infinitely, you find two columns of light. So it's behaving like a bullet now. It just goes straight through the slit and keeps going straight. It doesn't get diffracted. So in other hmm. words, it knows you're looking. <laughs> If you don't look, it'll be it'll behave like a wave. If you look, it behaves like a particle, and it knows you're looking. So, from an observer's standpoint, if you're just standing on the side of the room watching this happen, and you put the camera down there to record, you'll get completely different results. Yep, that's disgusting. I don't like that. <laughs> so it's kind of intelligent. Um, what I was basically gonna say though is, in regards to the black hole and the way that it sucks kind of the essence of light does that mean that it changes the properties of photons themselves so this is actually a really 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 good question and and the answer is no one knows um this <laughs> so this is so all this stuff that is that is quantum mechanics and quantum mechanics is the best theory we have for the really really small so for atoms for 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 most of chemistry all that stuff uh, it, it handles all that really really well General relativity is the theory of the really, really big, like galaxies, black holes, all that shit. And they don't like each other at all. They do not play well with each other. Uh, mm-hmm. The only, and they didn't do this in the movie, but I, I mean, I guess this is maybe too technical. Um, it would have been cool to have like some sci-fi shit with this. The only phenomenon that I know of that is both quantum mechanical and general relativity is something called Hawking radiation, similar to Stephen Hawking. So... There's this really cool phenomenon. Hawking radiation. Hawking radiation. It, did Stephen Hawking like figure it out? Yeah. Or? So Stephen Hawking put two and two together, and it's just this really, really cool idea uh, that that um, black holes are getting skinnier. They're they're losing mass. Okay. They're losing mass very slowly, but they're losing mass. So is this all black holes that we have in like being monitored, or is this like a general? Uh, we're, you, we're, we're figuring you, out that this is a property of black holes as, as a general. So this is what they do. This is currently all just on paper. To actually measure this, you would have to get close to a black hole, and I don't think anyone wants to do that. Um, <laughs> and, and and besides, the nearest black hole is really far away. Mm. There's a black hole at the center of the of the galaxy, but that's far. <laughs> 
So galaxies a hundred thousand light years across. But so, mm -hmm. uh, so the quantum mechanical aspect is, um, so shit is kind of just random. <laughs> like you could take a vacuum where there's nothing and from that nothing stuff will happen. Literally, you can have, it's, 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 it's bizarre, I get it, it's weird, but you can have nothingness, and then from it you get a particle and an antiparticle. So that, like, if you put them together, it's nothing again. It's, it's preserving the nothing, so it's, it's like a plus and a minus. Hold on. So, you're in a vacuum. Yeah. There's nothing in the vacuum, There's nothing in the nothing vacuum, and then a so second, you, like, there's no air, there's nothing. There's no air, there's nothing. So like space, so way out in space. So like no particulates, no contaminants, no, no like there's no existence whatsoever, and things things will still pop out of existence and 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 destroy each other. Yeah, pop out of existence is so. I mean, that's this, a curious phrase. This is this is one of the things that again is is often uh, abused in the sci-fi world so much that people don't think it's real. It's called antimatter. So uh -huh. so what could happen is uh, if you take matter. And they take its antimatter equivalent, and they touch each other. They annihilate completely and become light. Whoa! And this is actually people think, okay, so this is just so the 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 uh, opposite of a electron. I think it's called a positron. And people think this shit is made up. Oh, it's just science. It's just a bunch of theoretic mumbo jumbo jumbo. And then you realize science fiction. And then you realize antimatter is used to detect cancer. No shit. Yeah. So so if you have antimatter, and if it touches real matter, it annihilates and becomes light. So if you put uh, antimatter into someone's brain uh, and it hits, you know, a tumor, it'll light up. And all of a sudden, there's a, there's a, the, your, your brain is lit up and you can detect that and, and do imaging. And this is what PET scans are, PET scans. P is, the P is positron. So I think it's positron emission topography is the full acronym. And positrons are antimatter. Uh, antimatter is the most expensive substance in the world. I think it's a trillion dollars a gram. Oh, how? <laughs> It's hard to make. It's really fucking hard to make. Um, yeah, it sounds like it. But you, 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 you don't. You don't. <laughs> Most people think it's not real. So you don't need that much to make to, to do these PET scans. I mean, if you had, it's 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 the per, it would be the perfect bomb. If you had, if you have a blob of antimatter and you throw it at matter, that thing will explode to degrees I can't. It, you can't describe. It'll be fucking huge. So this is actually where the E equals MC squared thing comes in. How much energy are you gonna get? Well whatever the mass of the thing you just threw is, times C squared. C squared's a big number. Okay. <laughs> well, C squared, yeah, it, it, it's just a big number. So if this, this explosion would be bigger than a nuclear explosion. Oh, shit. Yeah, so, which is why you don't find so, antimatter. So you're saying that there could be, yeah, an antimatter bomb or antimatter weapons or... It would be, I mean... That could be real fucked up. It would be hard because as soon as it touches regular matter, it starts to explode. So you literally couldn't load it in a gun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, and so here's, I, I don't want to get too much of a tangent, but here's one question that a lot of astrophysicists ponder, and it's a weird one. You would expect, you know, life is symmetric. There's a lot of symmetries. Everything should be like kind of 50-50. Um, and yet, when you look on the universe, like 99 point something percent of, of matter is regular matter, not antimatter. So why is there this mass discrepancy between what became antimatter and what became matter? And the answer is, I have no idea, but it's a very good question as to why most of the universes matter. Um, but so the part I was trying to say is, uh, so if you have two, if you have antimatter and a matter, let's just say a positron and electron collide, they annihilate and become light. And that's where that energy comes from. Um, usually mm -hmm. it becomes gamma rays. Uh, the reverse is true. You can have a gamma ray split and become um, antimatter and matter. 
and uh, this is what this happens in a vacuum. So you could have because light can still exist in a vacuum. So you could have your vacuum, and then just from that, bam, you have matter and antimatter, and they'll probably you know collide again because uh, they have opposite charges, so they'll be drawn to each other and yada 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 yada. yada. Gotta fuck. Yeah. Things so, are like, so, but, like, I fucking hate you. I want you. you know? Exactly. Like, exactly. But yeah. so, so now that you have that, now that you know, okay, at random, you can just create matter and antimatter. Here's how Stephen Hawking connected that to black holes. So, at the very surface of a black hole, the event horizon, that's where if you're inside that, light can't escape. If you're outside that, you have a chance of escaping. Okay. Mm-hmm. Say at the event horizon, you have one of these random matter-antimatter creations so that the matter part, or the antimatter part, doesn't matter, is created inside the event horizon, and the antimatter part is created outside the event horizon. Well, the outside part gets to leave. Then the inside part is stuck. So they can't come... So remember, if you're in a vacuum... They, yeah, I know they can't see me use my hands. But uh, if you're in a vacuum, and this matter-antimatter pair is created... They're probably just going to touch again and create light and annihilate instantly. But if this happens at the very, very surface of the black hole, well, the part that's stuck in the black hole is stuck in the black hole and isn't coming out. The part that's on the outside gets to go away and be free. So the black hole just lost uh, one particle, one, one, a single particle. And so this phenomenon happening over and over and over again is called Hawking radiation. Okay. And that's why black holes are getting smaller because they're... So are they emitting antimatter particles at a rate, or I guess we're we're talking about matter, but in light's case, like with photons and shit, is it like separating the photon or? What, what do you mean? And so it'll keep it'll keep the light particle, but send off. No, so that, an that's that's particle? no, that's the trade off. When you take uh, you take your photon, you can break it up into a matter antimatter pair, but now okay, but okay, now okay. but now the light's gone. Sim- yeah. Okay. So. So yeah. What I what I was saying was um. I mean, as far as I know, I was right. Um. Where if you take the photon, you throw it into the black hole, it doesn't emit light, but it equally releases an antimatter particle while it takes on the matter. That could be the other way around too. It and it be- breaks apart the light. It- so like you were saying, if if you get matter and antimatter and they meet, it creates light. Yeah. Gamma rays, yeah. So it's essentially like a reverse process where yeah. the antimatter and matter are being separated again, and because of that, the light gets sucked into the black hole, and the antimatter gets shot out of the black hole. Yeah, oh, it, it, shot, it could yeah. it could be the other way around. It could be the matter one escapes and the antimatter one stuck. Hmm. But yeah, but it's it's black holes, which I imagine is the oh, but it is matter. It's it's yeah, doesn't matter. Doesn't <laughs> matter. Um. I don't fucking know, man. This is hurting. <laughs> this is so. I love you, but this hurts so bad. <laughs> so uh, the the uh, the stuff to look up is stuff. Uh, if people actually want to learn more, um, Feynman diagrams uh, and virtual particles, or stuff like that. That's the those are the the keywords to look up. Oh, and Hawking radiation. Yeah. That's that's this entire thing. So just back to the movie for like a few. That's, um, that's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all relevant because, like, these are the kind of concepts that the film talks about. So these are the this is it's relevant. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, we haven't gone completely off the rails, um, even though to to the average viewer it might seem that way. But <laughs> you're also good with theology and history. You're also you're just a smart guy. You're well rounded, uh, and 
I wondered <laughs> how long, or sorry, not how long, but did you immediately kind of see where the plot might go by them calling the project like Project Lazarus? I did not see him being God at the end, no. <laughs> I didn't see him coming back. Like I, So when he went into the black hole... It seemed like the ultimate sacrifice, and then he was able to talk to his daughter and, like, you know, use binary to, like, send a message to her to solve the equation. Do you know what that equation was, by the way? I don't even know yeah, what problem she you solved. you know, I saw... <laughs> okay, that's one of the things I was left, man. I was left at the very beginning um, when the, uh, the the butler from Batman is uh, um, writing stuff on the chalkboard. One of the equations just said integral d to the 10x. Uh, from zero to one, and um, that that's just the number one. <laughs> they wrote so the board was the board was just covered in nonsense. They wrote the number equations. no, no, because I also they did have the Einstein field equations written down. Um, so the Einstein field, there's these things in uh, relativity called tensors, and they had the equations for those things uh, written on the board, but they also had mumbo jumbo like a really really fancy way to write one. <laughs> But that's, I mean, that could be an Easter egg, you know? I wouldn't say that that's never necessarily, like, like a detractor of the film. It's probably just, like, a pro for people like you. <laughs> no, that was that was freshman calculus is what they had on the board. So um, it wasn't anything fancy. The, the part that they just wrote one in a fancy way, that was freshman calculus. Uh, but they did have, um, from what I could tell, it looked like it was uh, the Einstein field equations. Um, they were talking a lot about quantum mechanics and, as well, and... Uh, that is the biggest problem in physics is making them the, the the what Batman's butler was trying to do is you know unite the two and that's the biggest problem in physics that's right a, now. It's Michael Caine, by the way. I know I forgot his, his name. name. Well, no, I I get it. I respect it. <laughs> so thank you. I have a movie podcast. It's different, you know. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Michael Caine. Yeah. Um, what he was trying to do is unite the two, and uh, that's the one of the biggest problems in physics right now. Um, okay, so it was a relevant problem. Yeah. Yeah. So this is. I mean, there's some. This is. This is kind of what gets into too sci-fi and, as you said, theology. Physicists kind of become religious. Like, the, yeah, I was gonna say, like, even though they solve this problem, why does it immediately mean that the Earth isn't a dust bowl anymore and they are now among the stars? So the Earth was a dust bowl at the end. They they went to something uh, Dyson Dyson something. Um, at the very end, where well, they got off, they got off the planet. Why was that more conceivable after the equation was solved than beforehand? That's the part I didn't get either. It's, it seemed like they'd use gravity for energy to get, like, propel off of Earth. I didn't get how that one worked either, but... Yeah, you're still fucked when you're floating in space. Well, <laughs> so the, the thing they were on, it was not a Dyson sphere. Dyson spheres are spheres, so that's not what it is. What's the giant thing? So, um, if you had, like, a rotating cylinder, uh, that was a very large cylinder, larger than they had in the movie, um, you could kind of emulate gravity there's a whole bunch of problems biologically with this so you'd use like fictitious force of centrifugal force uh on a rotating cylinder to, to emulate gravity um and so you have a giant cylinder rotating in space and the one of the biological concerns i remember reading about is um if you turned your head there would be torque because you're on a spinning mm -hmm. body so if you turn your head there'd be a torque you'd probably crack your fucking neck Golly gee. So you would need a very large, very, very large cylinder to spin very slowly, but you know, just the right amount so that it, you'd still have the same acceleration as Earth. Uh, and the, the cylinder they had at the end that said it was orbiting Saturn, 
looked way too small. Mm. So, I mean, this is done actually in Halo. They're on a Halo. It's literally, literally the big Halo that they're on. Yeah. It's a giant spinning ring. Yeah. Yeah. I liked the, uh, the implementation of, uh, implementation of uh, space gravity by using like centrifugal force where they have splitting, uh, spinning things in the sky. And that's that, that spinning like pull is what keeps people grounded uh, in like space stations. I like that concept. Is that like a real thing? Like, in, do they use do do they use that practically in like um, space stations right now, or is that like just strictly a scientific concept? No, that that is that is an actual idea. To, I, I I thought so. Dyson sphere is not the thing. I was Dyson sphere is the idea where you like surround a sun with a giant sphere of solar panels and harness all its energy, or something like that. Uh, the the thing I'm trying to think of is basically yeah, a spinning uh cylinder where you'd live on it, and that has been proposed, but it's never been actually done okay so that that's like no space stations have like implemented that to mimic gravity or anything crazy like that no no uh all the space stations are way too small for that concept um the iss i think is the biggest one ever and uh so does that mean that the spaceship that they travel through space in the way that they mimic gravity with that one is is by spinning the thing are you saying that that's like not very likely (laughs) no if it's so small yeah it's too small um You'd have to spin too fast, and uh, this—they did actually do one of the biological aspects of this move that I liked was um, when they're when they're spinning. Uh, Matt Damon fucks up and he blows himself up, and they're trying to spin to get back into the ship. Mm-hmm. Which was a fucking great scene. It was. So cool. It was uh, one of the things I really liked um, was, and and this was pointed out to me, so that's why I was told like to look for this when, I, when the scene happens. When they're spinning, uh, Matthew McConaughey tilts his head into the spin. Whereas uh, Anne Hathaway doesn't, just kind of like, mm-hmm. and she passes out. And that's actually what they do teach uh, to NASA, like astronauts, is when you're spinning, tilt into it so the blood can still get to your head. If you go on that way and you're spinning, it's just going to get pulled to the top of your head and you're not going to, like, you're going to pass out. No shit. And they actually did that in the movie. So she didn't do the correction and passed out. And uh, Matthew McConaughey was doing it. And, uh, didn't pass out so scientifically this there's no point at which you were watching this movie and you wanted to like throw something at a wall you were like this is pretty good Uh, right when they got inside the black hole i was laughing a lot (laughs) but that is that is honestly like i do like that the film had a metaphysical twist to it and it made me wonder like what was the inspiration for this story it seemed like like what like whenever i think about like ghosts i go down like a whole shoot (laughs) of like different shit and um people have actually talked about ghosts before about being like uh not necessarily like ghosts or dead people but interdimensional like just things that are of a different dimension that are interacting with us at whoopsie daisy yeah and i do i do think that those are cool concepts to play yeah. with yeah. because you don't have answers to them and that's where fiction thrives it's, it's not in like completely coming up with shit that's outright not true some of the greatest fiction i think is strengthened by the fact that like like I will take, cause they gave it a happy ending. That's that's not gonna be a happy ending if you float into a fucking black hole, you know, just end up like you know floating around Saturn and like oh, and then somebody finds you and saves you. Like that's they got into Star Wars territory fiction with that yeah, one. Yeah, how do you get out of the black hole? Is my question. It's some bullshit. Yeah. but they're they. I mean, if you leave room for theology or like other space beings that exist outside of our fourth dimension, then maybe he was literally brought there to solve the problem and then dropped back off. Yeah. And they do, they do say that, you know, maybe mankind evolved to a point where they got out of the fourth dimension. And this is them going back and unfucking 
the past by manipulating his events and stuff. So that, that was kind of cool. And time is fucky like that. Yeah. Because if yeah. he did that and he interacted with like, you know, previous time and stuff, then that means that those fifth dimension beings can go back and in a similar way that he was just kind of like fuck with this shit here to leave messages to guide humans on the right way, a path. So like that, that's, that's the most science fiction part of this film for sure. Mm. And I do like that it had a happy ending. I was not expecting a happy ending out of this movie. Like they they put they lay on the doom and gloom like real hard. Yeah, I was actually the a whole little, time. I was a little sad. You actually don't see this uh, a scene with Matthew McConaughey and and uh, I forget the characters' names, uh, but they're on the uh, Edmonds planet together. I was so disappointed with what Edmonds planet was. Like in my head, that was I thought it was gonna be like some like lush forest, crazy mountain type thing, and then it was just probably like some I don't know. They picked a random desert in Arizona or something. But it's great, though. Like, I like that they didn't go over the top because that's the thing, the type of stuff that grounds this movie. Yeah. And I also do like that they are not going to have a sequel, which I read into. There's no sequel coming. And that's, I think, a great thing because... Um, well, the story's over. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know. I read somebody's, like, article on, like, what could happen if they were to write another one? We could explore the loving relationship that was hinted at to, like, between Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. And it's like... That is so entirely not the movie that I just watched. Like yeah. that, the only way that they could like do a sequel, they would completely bastardize this. Like, and I do like that the end of the movie when he's getting on the spaceship to presumably go hang out with Anne Hathaway. It's got like this sense of wonder to it, and like he just proved you wrong because you thought he fell into the black hole and he's fucking gone. And because you were just proven wrong, you're like, okay, well now we know that our character like for some reason transcends our expectations so you're just full of hope like it's at the end of the movie really just kind of supercharges you go like fuck yeah you know i think i don't know it's a little funny though when i read like comments uh or reviews of the film and people go like this whole film changed my way of viewing life man <laughs> like i liked it but i didn't think theologically yeah, it was that deep no. you know <laughs> yeah it was it was an interesting concept i suppose i did like a lot of the things they did about the black hole with regards to you know making it more real than what people think it is my favorite like visual from the movie was when they when they exit the wormhole and they're flying around and they come uh, into this uh, system and they they see the black hole and they see uh, Matt Damon's um, planet like orbiting it and that was a really cool scene just because a lot of people think a black hole is this thing that like it's like a vacuum it sucks in like what mm-hmm. and it's no it's just a giant massive thing with with high gravity and you can still orbit it. Just like Earth can orbit the sun without falling into it. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you could 100% have that scenario where you have a planet orbiting a black hole. It would be very depressing. Yeah. You look up, there's no sun. There's just a giant black orb. Yeah. I, I will say that something I thought of while watching this movie is the presence of light on each planet is a bit much. Yeah, I thought really the same thing. I don't see that. And I had to, I had yeah. to, I had to look into it because... Uh, all the black holes I've studied, uh, there's there's more than just one type of black hole. By the way, there's there's uh, black holes can have charge. You can have electrically charged black holes. You can have spinning black holes and all this shit. And like uh, video games, sure. <laughs> uh, when you charge a weapon up, or you know. And so never mind. Keep going. You could <laughs> sorry. So in the in the in the movie, the black hole that the planets are orbiting um, was a, it was a rotating black hole. And that's why you got this thing called the accretion disk, which is this giant like disk of light uh, around it. Um, 
and it, 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 it's kind of lying in a plane and it's lying in you know the plane that the black hole's spinning in. And that is a real phenomenon. And that's actually the name. It's called Accretion Disk. And I did not know that until I actually saw this movie and thought, that's got to be bullshit, right? And I looked into it and I was like, oh, cool. So yeah, you can have just like an orb of light spinning around a, a black hole. That's cool. It's very cool. Well, it's cool that you also like, you know, picked something up from this film. Like, yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of neat. Um, what uh, would you... um uh, What... Um, whoa. Me too. Oh, who do you think you'd recommend this for? If you were to recommend it to somebody, I don't know. I, I, I probably, any, I mean, anyone. I mean, just too. I was wondering if it was going to be violent because I, I didn't know what it was going to be like, and it wasn't. Um, which I'm totally fine with. I don't need excessive gore in a sci-fi movie. I liked it. I, yeah, probably just recommend it to anyone. Um, if they have the time, it was a very long movie. It's fucking, fucking two hours and forty nine five minutes or something or forty. Like we'll we'll call it. Happy medium, 45. Sure. But uh, that's a long fucking time. Yeah. I actually, so I was I was swamped with work yesterday, and I didn't get to watch the movies. So that's why I watched it this morning. And then I realized, oh, shit, I got teaching at 1130. And I was like, fuck, I'm not going to watch the whole movie. I didn't know it was three fucking hours. So I had I watched, <laughs> yeah. I watched it at 1.5 speed. Um, but <laughs> okay. I, I think it was still completely fine. I got used to it after like three seconds, and... Uh, <laughs> I pressed normal speed for a second. I was like, they're talking really slow now. They do. So I yeah. so I went back to it. Um it made it made it 112 minutes. I timed it. So but it was just because I, you know, had to make it to class. But it was enjoyable. It was hundred percent I I would I would rewatch it in normal speed. That's how enjoyable it was. Maybe yeah. maybe skip one scene. <laughs> like there's generally people like 2001 a space odyssey but it is a really long and slow movie um and i do think that that's a turnoff for some people um but i do i think because scientific concepts are real touchy and chris christopher nolan and his brother and this physicist they worked really hard on making it digestible which i think is they effectively did that this is a really really understandable movie and it will fuck with your head in, in ways which you'll probably respect, you know, scientific concepts a little bit more. Mm. Specifically, like, more complicated scientific concepts, especially with, um, <laughs> I was going to say astrology, <laughs> uh, with astronomy and all that shit. But, yeah, I do think it's a generally approachable movie, but it's kind of like you were saying, like, it's so long that I just, I feel like some people, like, the, okay, first time I ever watched this movie, because this is technically the second time I've ever watched it. First time, I fell asleep. <laughs> I I I was I was engaged. In it. I I uh maybe maybe the first ten minutes I thought it was a bit slow, but that's all, that's true like with every fucking movie. But I I was I was absorbed into it after like probably ten minutes. This time around, I was completely. I actually watched it last night, and uh, I started it a little late, and I was like, oh fuck, I'm gonna have to like pause this and then go to sleep and then wake up and watch the rest of it in the morning. But I was up till like three o'clock in the morning watching this. Just my eyes were glued to the screen. It was so amazing. And I was like, why the fuck did I fall asleep last time? It was definitely a me problem, you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I like, I feel like I was more engaged this time around. And if you aren't in the mindset to sit down and pay attention to the movie, it can slip some things past you. And then by the time you miss like one thing, it can snowball and create a whole, like, I don't know what the fuck is going on right now. Why are they doing this? Where are they? What the fuck? What? Yeah. So it's definitely an attention, uh, attention intensive movie. And if you're, if you're not in the mood for that, I totally wouldn't choose this movie, but, um, 
Yeah. If the, and if the time aspect is a problem, I would I would recommend 1.5 speed. I don't think I missed I didn't lost anything from by doing that. I it was I, I got the plot and it was still very enjoyable. Um That's still weird. You're a weirdo. You know, there's a guy in the department uh that only watches things at one and a half or two times speed. Uh and so in the pre, you know, COVID days, um when uh, sitting at the uh, grad lounge for for lunch, she would like have a YouTube video on. It's just fucking screaming fast, uh, talking speeds, and like that's only that's the only way he watches videos now. That he, that's it's weird if he doesn't do that. Um, that's because you're working at Dartmouth. And then I mean, they're all and they're all fucking, weird. <laughs> sure. Yeah, these weirdo smart people. They're like like they're it's like when I think of uh like the representation of a smart like an intelligent being in like some kind of fiction movie. Just think of something like they always pick up a book and then they flip it in front of their face. Like they flip through the pages and they go like, oh wow, that was a good book. And then they put it down because <laughs> they just read faster or fucking whatever. That's what it makes me think of. You just you watch like the, that person in your department just watches videos like super fast because he can input like intake data at like this incredible speed. <laughs> uh, Fuck Dartmouth. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Boo. Uh, one of the things the movie did get me thinking about was a uh, um, a few sci-fi areas that aren't sci-fi. It's it's it's, it's science uh, areas that had never mm-hmm. been, haven't been used in sci-fi. And one of them, so this the the big thing was a black hole, and you know black holes are kind of the the trophy child of, of, of physics. Like they're, they're cool. They're cool objects to think about and, and do in sci-fi. But another object, um, that I've never seen talked about is a magneto star, which is, uh, it's like a black hole. It's a weird star. Black holes are just weird stars, by the way, but it's weird in the fact that it's magnetic field is so, so stupidly strong that if you were to put the, there's, there's a few that are known. If you were to put the earth, if you're sorry, if you replace the sun, with the magneto star, we would all die because the iron in our blood would get ripped out of our bodies. Holy fuck! I know, isn't that a cool concept? It makes me think of Magneto, the X Men. I wonder which one's named after which. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, magneto stars have been known for a while. Well, yeah, Magneto magnets. Yeah, just fuck with iron. That's just weird. Yeah. That's... Or is, is it... I don't want. Yeah, I don't. Would you? Would you go? You would go to space. You fucking dork. But. <laughs> I would never, I don't, no, I don't know. It depends. It's so conditional. Like space terrifies me. Like cryo sleep terrifies me. I don't know. I like, I feel like there's a lot of interpersonal shit that I would like to contribute to here that I just don't see myself being an intergalactic man. You know, <laughs> I think it'd be cool to go like stay within the exosphere would be cool. Um, oh, I, I fucked up the pronunciation. Magnetar. There's no O. Oh, okay. Magnet. Yeah. So magnetar. People want to look it up. Um, fucking idiot i know this <laughs> you know there's too many terms in this in i almost said astrology too fuck you you're doing that to me in astronomy <laughs> but no i made the mistake all but you know it's doable i hear the word astrology way more than i hear astronomy yeah like, really i've, I've never heard well okay mr physicist like well, who the fuck do we know that talks who, about oh. i don't know uh, every girl on the internet i fucking can't check my my instagram story without being <laughs> assaulted with like a, bil- a billion virgos and aries and capricorns there's and all that shit <laughs> there's another um so magnetar's close cousin is uh, a neutron star uh and neutron stars are cool for two two reasons one is they're super fucking small they're about the size of uh, new york city 
<laughs> they weren't to begin with. They start out as the biggest fucking things you could think of as super giants, and then they collapse and become neutron stars. And one of the cool things about them is how they were discovered. They spin really, 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 really fucking fast. And one of the first radio telescopes that was set up in like the 60s or 50s, I forget when, detected one of these things and thought it was a binary signal coming from way out in space because it, it, it it's you get this pattern it's like it sounds like morse code or whatever and you're like what the fuck is that and so for a while uh astronomers thought aliens were talking to us hmm. and then it was discovered that these things called neutron stars exist and, and do that fucking lies so there's there's a lot yeah. of cool things in astronomy that still have yet to be used in sci-fi i think it'd be cool if it, it you know gets there Word. well i think uh i think we've we've fleshed out this movie we're taking the flesh from it. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> science fiction. <laughs> this is the good kind of science fiction where it is. There is something about like say say the movie Aliens or something like it's science fiction, but like you know, no, like, <laughs> dumb. But yeah, there's there's like a movie like this is so grounded and it does definitely relate to. Um, I think in the most for me at least, two thousand one, a space odyssey, which I don't know if you've seen. I, I haven't. You should probably get on that with the shit that you study. It's it'd be a cool film to to watch, but that also really focused on its its realism, and uh, I, I, yeah, I feel like like Planet of the Apes, probably not, but like two thousand one <laughs> Space Odyssey, yeah. yeah. And then this movie's it's it feels like it sets a precedent that has been ignored for a really long time in science fiction, where they've taken a lot of liberties to do a lot of stuff, but grounded stories don't really come from that genre too often, you know. It 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 kind of reminded me philosophically, I guess, uh, of the the Nicolas Cage movie, uh, which, Knowing. Do you know it? Uh, he has so many. <laughs> when you said Nicolas Cage movie, the immediate one that I came to mind was uh, Color Out of Space. Don't know. You it. seen that? No. So I, that's I, another science fiction film. You should watch that shit. I think I think the movie's Ooh. called Knowing. Um, it's it's an apocalyptic movie. Like the some girl in the fifties writes a bunch of numbers down that detail every major like catastrophic event that's going to happen in the next 50 years for humans. Uh, like it has the date nine 11 happens and all that shit. And then the last number is a certain date. And then it says EE, which stands for everyone else and everyone's going to die. Um, <laughs> and so other than her being clairvoyant, the rest of the movie is, if I remember correctly, quite plausible, just kind of like, you know, the, the sun is throwing a solar flare at us. Which could, which can happen, by the way. That that happens uh, um, every few hundred years, and it's actually quite scary because we're we're overdue. So the last one that happened was in the 1860s, and when it happened, uh, the 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 magnetic field was so strong, a, a telegraph between Boston and Baltimore was able to operate without the power on. It was being powered by the sun, essentially. <laughs> so if it would have happened again, so that was, I mean, that was the only electricity back in in the 1860s. It's called the Carrington event. If, if you want to look that one up, um, it's supposed to happen like every, you know, hundred to 200 years and you know, 18 mid 1800s is more than a hundred years. If it would happen again, uh, planes would go down. Shit. We shit would get bad. So it's, it is a, it hopefully it doesn't, you know, hopefully we figure out how to avoid it or whatever before it does happen. But solar flares coming to the earth does happen in the movie. It was a really big solar flare that like burnt the planet up. But, uh, um, that, 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 I don't, I don't know if that could happen. I, I haven't stu- studied solar physics in quite a bit, but so the movie's plausible with the physics for quite a while. 
Oh, and, and Nicolas Cage is an MIT professor, of course. And then at the very, very, very end, aliens. That's how the girl knew. Aliens told her. The aliens come to abduct the children, take them to a new planet, and I'm just like, okay, you lost me. That's kind of... That was more... Yeah. That was kind of interstellar. It's like, oh, this is... Oh, oh okay. Yeah, okay. exactly what he's, I was going to say. He's like, now It was gone. kind of a similar okay. letdown. <laughs> or everything was really, like... Not to say nihilistic, but it was pretty, like... Like, oh, fuck. Like, shit your pants kind of science concepts. And then all of a sudden, they're like... And then he got sent out of the black hole, and he was floating around Saturn, and then these, this satellite was like, wow, look at that. This is exactly the same satellite that's named after your daughter. Whoa. You know, and then he's just fine. That's just bullshit. I, but I yeah, loved it. Yeah, I yeah. loved it. <laughs> it was. It made me feel real good. I can't remember what Matthew McConaughey said, but he said something like, uh, "Love transcends dimensions," and I was like laughing my fucking ass off at that point. I thought Anne Hathaway said something about that. She was like, "Love." She said she had this whole monologue about love and decision making and how love should be the judge of decision making so she just feels like it's the right place to go she's in she's she's yeah. catwoman right she there's a lot of batman people in this movie dude okay <laughs> all right quick aside by the way um anne hathaway i can't fucking get away from her i just went on the same rant one movie ago when i was covering um suspiria because it started tilda swinton because i can't get away from tilda swinton every movie i pick in the past like i don't know 10 episodes has had some kind of you know Tilda Swinton in it movies that I watch in my own time when I'm not covering episodes for the show Tilda Swinton's in them and I'm like what the fuck and this the last might be embarrassing. Least, I don't know who that is <laughs> no it's fine don't worry about uh, uh, it she's in very obscure movies but uh, okay. that's kind of my point like why do I keep running into her <laughs> like I wouldn't expect you to know who Tilda Swinton is just off the top of my off the top of your head um and then Anne Hathaway the past several movies like I did Brokeback Mountain I was like yeah gay cowboy movie and then Tell the Swift. Sorry, not Tell the Swift. Anne Hathaway uh, is the star in that movie, and then uh, fucking um, Devil Wears Prada. She's the main character in that one, and then this one I just chose it, and then bam, Anne Hathaway. What the fuck? Where'd you come from? <laughs> I just can't get away from her, and I love it. I love, I love it with Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton's great, but I also love Anne Hathaway. She's oh, fantastic. She's got great range, you know. We didn't even talk so, about yeah. one of the. So one of the coolest scenes was with her. Um, and the physics of it was, was spot on. It was kind of really cool. The planet that had, it was an ocean planet, but it was only knee deep water, the entire planet. Mm -hmm. Uh, the giant wave that comes. Yeah. Um, so she says the, Anne Hathaway is like running to get something and then runs back and then the guy dies cause he gets blasted by a wave. That was kind of cool just because, I mean, that's, that's what happens if you have a, if you'd had an ocean planet near a massive body of water as the thing turn as the planet turns you get these giant tidal waves being kind of pulled closer to the the, the, the source of gravity that would spin with the rotation of the planet and um it's kind of cool that they did that they, they can, there's also something you can read about the physics behind it but uh the visuals yeah, for it we don't, we don't, the visuals for i won't do that i want enough physics i get it but uh the visuals were just really cool watching the a massive wave over an ocean planet that is terrifying a knee, yeah. a knee deep ocean planet nonetheless all right, well, we're going we're gonna to wrap this up. All right. It's going to get wrapped. I have to go to my meeting now anyway. Well, about 10 minutes. I don't have any meetings to go to <laughs> ever. Uh, if you have a job, I'd like it. Um, uh, that's for my viewers, not you. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm poor. Uh, you can't see my background, dear listener, but it's bad. There's skeletons. <laughs> it has two and a half. It's dangerous. Yeah. So give me a job. Uh, don't give Ryan a job. He's got one. Got a few. He's, his first job is being my friend. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, and then there's some science shit too, but that's not important. The important thing is he's my friend. Um, Mwah. yeah, I love I love you, Ryan. Uh, love you too, boo. I actually no, I fucked it up because I'm supposed to say, "Well, I'm Kyle," <laughs> and then you go, "Oh, I'm Ryan," and <laughs> and this has been. <laughs> Fuck. Let me YouTube. Let me Google what the thing is. Uh, oh, it's in the email. Not film school. Oh, there we go. He knows it. He's such a good friend that loves me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, that was too loud. Sorry.